The 2014 Major League Soccer season is underway with week one in the books. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsev, who is on the road. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. I'm in uh, L.A. I just arrived. It is late uh, Monday evening. It's actually midnight here in L.A. Uh, just came in from Portland. Had a great, great trip in Portland. And uh, I've managed to survive my uh, my Pacific Northwest adventure. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I watched both Seattle Sporting Kansas City and Portland Philadelphia on the same day. I drove from one to the other. Great, great experience. Two amazing atmospheres and two crazy finishes. Well, it's good to have you on the West Coast, Ivis. It's uh, it's nice, man. I like it out here. I tell you what, I would, you know, I got to open up a base out here and, and come out here for like a month, a month out of the out of the year. But you know, I'll keep I'll keep taking these trips and, uh, you know, as you know, I, I practically live in Portland these days, so. I know you do. Maybe that's what you should do. You should open up the SBI West headquarters in LA. I mean, I I can move out there, set it up. You know. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be in L.A. I think, it, you know what, after spending another couple of days in Portland, man, uh, Portland is great. Portland's a great city. It's I'd be okay with Portland. Well, I I'm, I'm, I will determine when I go up to Portland with you for the All-Star game. That's that's when we can discuss that if, at length. We're gonna, yes, we're going we're gonna to spend a few days there. We're going to get there well, well in advance of the All-Star game. So we can take in the city, and you can take in all the sights, all the great food, all the great uh, beer, coffee, Powell's Bookstore. It, it, there's so much stuff there. It's it's, it's a great city. I, I tell you what, man. I I spent all day today just kind of you know tra- traversing the city uh, on the, the the public transportation there is great. Uh, it's just I can't say enough about it. And 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 not to take anything away from Seattle, I had a, I spent a great 24, uh, 27 hours in Seattle. I always have a good time there. Uh, I was able to you know see some people, uh, meet a few of our new writers, our few our new SBI writers uh, that were out there for uh, our Sporting Kansas City writer. Uh, Tate Steinlagi and uh, and also Lee Prindle, who's going to be doing some stuff for us. You know, the more, well, more important thing of why you're on the road trip is you're missing all your shows, man. You missed The Walking Dead last night. It was kick-ass. Don't tell me anything. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so upset right now. This is my own fault because I, I have not set up, uh, uh, you know, the sling box or any of that stuff. I guess I can watch. I guess I can do HBO Go maybe. I think that's what it's called. Uh, no, because I want to see True Detective. I mean, you know, nothing against Walking Dead. I can wait for The Walking Dead. True Detective is probably nudged ahead of Walking Dead right now as, as far as favorite shows. See, I don't have HBO. Dude, I had the craziest zombie dream on Sunday night after The Walking Dead. I seriously need to stop watching that show. <laughs> I, I've had like five zombie dreams now. Like I woke up and I was just like, holy crap. That was that was like way too intense. You need to see with a doll. Maybe that'll help you feel better. It's Maybe. I, or maybe with a nightlight. <laughs> Uh, Well, Ivis, uh, as we said, week one, the MLS season is officially underway. You and I have games to talk about, goals to talk about, coaching decisions to talk about. We'll start uh, with the game that you were at this week in Seattle and Sporting Kansas City. had all the makings of a fantastic game, but unfortunately, it was a uh, kind of a little bit dull game that ended in a 1-0 victory for Seattle. We had a Clint Dempsey signing, sighting, excuse me. So obviously Seattle fans are gonna be happy about that. But uh, I have a Seattle starts the season off with a with a 1-0 victory with the goal in the 94th minute in front of, as always, a, a rambunctious crowd up in Seattle. I don't know if I would call it a dull game. It, it was it was a it did, it wasn't a game that had a lot of highlight real moments, but it was a pretty intense game. Maybe on TV it didn't have the same effect as it, as it did in person, but. 
I mean, the atmosphere was great. It was a really intense battle between these teams. I mean, they were really going at it. Um, Sporting Kansas City, obviously, was trying to be physical, trying to take Seattle out of their game. Uh, Seattle had some good good uh, action early on, but they couldn't really convert. Uh, and then they finally broke through late, late, late in the match. And I tell you, it's so hilarious because, of course, who else but Chad Barrett scores the winner maybe 20 minutes after I make fun of him on Twitter. Um, and, of course, everyone let me know it. But that's how it goes when you make predictions and you joke around on Twitter sometimes. You jinx yourself. And, 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 and let's face it, folks, for everyone who wanted to rag on me after that, I, don't, I doubt I will put a million dollars at none of those people ragging on me now uh, about that. Actually thought he would be the guy to score the goal. Although, I guess, with my track record of, of jinxes, I guess it should have been expected. Yeah, you're you're like the jinx maxer. Uh, from this game, though, Ivis, uh, what did you, what did you take? Uh, what, what what did you take from this game? Well, I mean, obviously, with Sporting Kansas City, they were resting guys for the Concacaf Champions League. You know, they they felt they could go in the in the Seattle, uh, try to get a point. I think that was clear that that's what they were going for. Uh, they rested uh, both their fullbacks. They rested their defensive midfielder. They rested, you know, Sinovich, Chance Myers, Yuri Rozel. And uh, not to say that they missed those guys, but Seattle did try to take uh, take it to them on the wings. And obviously late in the match, you had Sean O'Coley, the rookie, uh, send that service in that ended up becoming the winning goal. So uh, you could argue that, you know, they paid the price. Uh, Sporting Kansas City paid the price for not uh, feeling their full-strength team. But obviously you have, you know, you have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. You know, in MLS you have to prioritize. And they're playing Cruz Azul. The un- I still I think they're still the unbeaten league leaders in Mexico. Uh, in the first leg of their quarter, Champions League quarter, quarterfinal. And, you know, if you're sporting Kansas City, you've already won MLS Cup. Now you want to go after the Champions League, so you have to rest some guys. Now, look, not to take anything away from Seattle, um, you know, they, they, they kept pushing to the very end. Credit to them. Uh, they, they made their own luck there. And, and I, you know, for, for Sean O'Coley, what I mean, talk about a, a debut. I mean, the Wake Forest product, uh, you know, I, I, I had high hopes for him coming out of Wake. I mean, he, he's a talented, talented kid. Uh, and he showed some of his quality in, in his cameo and, and helped set up that goal. Um, but you know what? i tell you what. Both teams, uh, especially Seattle, they, they've got these new players. They're, they're incorporating them. It's going to take them some time. But uh, it's still a big win for them to kind of take the bad taste out of their mouths from the way last year ended and a good way to start for for all the new guys that are there. Well, what would you think of, I mean, Seattle's back line? We, we talked a little bit about it. I mean, look, as you said, Chad Marshall had a good game, but I thought Traore also had a good game. And, and I thought DeAndre De- excuse me, De- I can't even say that, DeAndre Yedlin, I, I thought he had a solid performance too. Right. I mean, all the, you know, all those guys were pretty solid. Uh, Chad Marshall, uh, you know, he's impor- it's important that he has a strong season for them. They brought him in to anchor their defense. And and he looked apart, you know. I, I, he was, I don't think he was 100 percent either. I think I think uh, maybe Siggy Schmidt said it after the match that maybe he was carrying a knock, and, and he you know he decided to play through it. And he and you know what, you couldn't tell because he looked he, he absolutely looked strong. Uh, and you had to give Stephen Fry some credit as well, the goalkeeper. He he made some he made some good plays in there as well in his debut. Uh, and Yellen just keeps on getting better. You, you know he he's got the year under his belt as a pro as a starter. And he also has the experience of, of the national team camp, and I had a chance to talk to him after the match. And uh, you can just sense the um, the confidence that he has now, just the the the, the self belief, and, and just kind of he has like this like when you talk to him, like it's not like he's this young, just a year removed from college kid. It's like he's lived he's lived a few years of a pro in that one year. He jammed a lot into that first year, and 
he, you know, I just had a chance to talk to him at length, and and he's his he's got to, he's got to get head on, on his shoulders, and uh, that between that and the talent that he has, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. Well, the Sounders open up the season with the victory right there. The other game you were at down south, uh, well, not down south in the other state, down down south, uh, Portland and Philadelphia. I called this last week, Ivis. I said that Philadelphia was going to go in there and steal a point. They almost stole three points if it wasn't for. What uh, was it for the Portland Timbers once again somehow finding a way to, to 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 get a draw as they always seem to do under Caleb Porter? But I mean, look, if you're a Philadelphia Union fan, you had to be really happy with just the performance. I mean, Marisa Du Ivis looked like a beast in this game, playing box to box. Jack McInerney, you had to be happy that he's scoring already for the season. Very impressive debut for the uh, Philadelphia Union. Golden boot winner. Uh, look, look, here, here a few things real quick. Uh, number one, look, Philadelphia. They they looked outstanding, and, and and not only did they look good, not only did their did their new look midfield look good, but for them to go to Portland, uh, a place where no team has gone in and played that well before. I mean, teams have gone there and won, yeah. You know, here here and there. I mean, I know Montreal. Obviously, they won on the the crazy Hassoun Kamara bicycle and and RSL in the playoffs. But in terms of a team actually going toe to toe with them creating as many, if not more, chances than them, looking more dangerous than them at, at, for, for good stretches. I mean, Philadelphia, they, they really did it. They, 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 you see how much better they are now mm-hmm. with their midfield, with, their, with the additions of, of, of Maidana, Christian Maidana, uh, Vincent Nogueira. Their creativity is, is it's just such a different approach. And, and you know, I, I talked to Diego Larry after the match, and, and he pretty much admitted that, you know, that they're not – that wasn't the Philly team they thought they were going to see. Like – you know, they, the the Philly team that they come they've come to know is, is a team that you know, defends defend and counter uh, isn't all that creative. But I mean, I tell you what, for me, Maidana, crazy skill, Nogueira's skill as well, and then, yes, Marisa Do. Here's my thing with Marisa Do. Right, people have forgotten that this guy is yep. a good player, and it's like for me, I, it's just hilarious to me because it's okay. He didn't play at Stoke. Whatever reason things didn't work out for him at Stoke, he 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 missed a ton of time, and, and all of a sudden people were acting like he can't play, and 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 have just nudged him off to the side. And when he came back, there was all this talk. Of, oh, you know, why is he going to get DP money? These other guys in MLS who are better than him, like you know, Kyle Beckerman is an example. Not to say that Kyle Beckerman is not better than him or, or one or the other, but to dismiss it, dude, uh, because of what happened at Stoke City is just dumb. I mean, the guy, you know, he he was a quality player for Rangers. He had a good, uh, good stint in Turkey when he had the loan spell. The guy can play, and I think hopefully anyone who watched this game against Portland uh, has has been reminded yeah. why he's why he was a player in the 2010 World Cup, why he made a difference in games in the 2010 World Cup, and why he's still someone that you can't rule out for the 2014. Well, he also showed that he could play box to box too. I, I mean, you you just 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 watching him play that the toughness that he brought to the Philadelphia Union. I, I can remember. I, I can't remember who he went against, but in the first half, he just beasted someone in the final third against the Timbers. Uh, nothing to take away from the Timbers. I mean, Donovan Ricketts, who who for me was was the goalkeeper there last year. I thought he had another impressive performance. And for the Timbers, I mean, a lot of people are really high on uh, Gaston Fernandez, and of course, you know, he scores the the the, the, the saving goal for the Portland Timbers to, to at least pick up a point in this game so for the Timbers I mean it's not like they had a bad game either I mean the Timbers you know they have a lot of positive things to take from this game too I do want to point out something about Philly before we get into Portland and yes obviously the newcomers did well uh they they stole the show in a way but I got to give Brian Carroll some credit because last year I thought he regressed I thought he looked 
I thought he showed his age maybe. You know, the guy's played a ton of games. He's got a lot of miles on those legs. Last year, he looked like he, he took a step back. In this first game, mm-hmm. I was a beast. The guy broke up so many challenges. He was he was all over Diego Valeri, making his life a living hell. And uh, you got to give the guy credit, man. He's a winner. He's a he's a veteran. And I think the fact that the midfield, the new look midfield, uh, can do so much and, and can be so creative and can keep so much pressure off the defense that it it allows Carroll to kind of conserve his energy, pick his mm-hmm. spot. And be more effective. And I think, if anything, that new trio of midfielders is going to help rejuvenate Carroll and help bring him back to the qual- to, to the levels that he's been known to play at. Well, so, I, I think it helps playing next to Marisa Do. I mean, he's going to make he look. Marisa Do is going to make everyone around him better. That he's going to that 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 is without a doubt he will make everyone around him better. And you're exactly right. That's not making him better, but it's it's making it's making people's jobs easier. Carroll, I mean, Carroll's a pro. I mean, his track his track record speaks for itself. The guys won. Uh, multiple titles. He, you know, he he's he's a winner, and I just feel like that. Just seeing him in that first game, the guy, the guy looked recharged. And if he if he can play on that level uh, as a perfect complement to those other three midfielders, mm-hmm. hey man, the Union are going to be a, t- a force to be reckoned with in the East. Now, getting back to Portland, uh, it, it's funny because you know, you look at this game and you say, wow, Philly really took it to them. Uh, but then if you look at the stats, I mean, Portland had a 60-40 edge in possession. Uh, which was the you know the highest with the biggest disparity in the league in week one, they still knocked it around. They still played some soccer. They they still did what they did. They they weren't effective in the final third, and, and that came back to haunt them. Especially early in the game when they really had uh, a a good kind of handle on the game early on. They didn't take advantage of that 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 early going, and uh, it came back to bite them. And and I think there will be some issues as far as familiarity. Obviously, Gaston Fernandez, new player. Uh, Valeri's got to kind of get the timing right with those guys. Valeri, Nagby, Fernandez, Rudy, that, the, 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 that, you know, when, as they get their things together, as they get more familiar, you're going to see goals. You're going to see chances. I don't have any doubt about that at all. I think, I think they're still, uh, going to be one of the top teams in the league. Of course. But, you know, just, let's just remember folks last year, the Timbers started off with a draw and they, that they had to come back against, I was, and then funny enough, I was there season opener, New York Red Bulls. The three-three draw. I think they were. I think they were down three-one, and they came all the way back and tied it. So, for Portland fans, it's definitely not time to panic. You've got a good team. Your team is stacked, and uh, I think Gata Fernandez, my newcomer of the year pick. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a great game, but hey, he came through at the end, and I think he's only going to get better. Oh, exactly. And I think for, I mean, look, if you're a Portland Timber fan, I mean, with the way Caleb Porter has built that team. I mean, Portland, no matter what, Ivis, they, they seem to be in every game, no matter what. No matter if, if the stat sheet shows that they're not in, in, in by possession or they're, they're not taking as many shots as the other team. I mean, Portland, Ivis, with Caleb Porter in charge, they are in every single game till the final minute. I mean, if your opponent playing against them, you literally have to play to that final whistle. You have to because Portland's going to find a way to pick up a point in that game. I mean, how many losses did they have last year? I think four or five or something like that. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's insane. Right. No, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Uh, you know, they, they, they still have some kinks to work out. Obviously, I don't know what the status is for Pam Moduka, but, uh, you know, he had to leave the match uh, with an injury. I don't, you know, that I think that would be a big loss if they lose him for any kind of extended period of time because I think there's considerable considerable drop-off from him to Footy Danzo. Uh, but even aside from that, I mean, they're, they're a good team. They'll be right there. The West is going to be interesting, man. Yep. It's based on these results and how some of these teams look. 
Uh, it's going to be a really good playoff race. Uh, well, moving to the city that you're in, uh, Real Salt Lake continues to cause headaches for the LA Galaxy in L.A. Uh, Jean Plata, Ivis, he, he does what he does. He, he finds space in the final third and, and takes advantage of, of defenses who take naps on him. I mean, maybe it's because he's 5'2", and people in Omar Gonzalez is so tall he missed him or something like that. But Jean Plata scores the winning goal for them. Uh, later on in the match, in, in the dying minutes, uh, I mean, you, you can argue if that was really a penalty kick uh, that, that Rob Friend uh, earned, but I mean, a horrible take and penalty by, by Robbie Keane. Nick Romano saves it. Uh, you know, it shows that you know Nick Romano is once again a good goalkeeper. But for Real Salt Lake, I mean, that's this is a huge win under Jeff Kassar going on the road for your first game and, and defeating the Galaxy at, at their home. Okay, a few things. Yes, it was it was kind of a soft penalty. You know that I, I, I'll definitely agree with you there. I don't know about poorly taken penalty. I mean, give Nick Romano some credit. I mean, he had to dive to his right. He is known to be a really good penalty saver. And and was it Robbie Keane's best penalty ever? No, but I don't know if it was a terrible penalty. You know, Nick Romano makes normal penalties look bad because he's so good. Uh, and that was just one of not. You know, he made nine saves on the night. It was really a battle of the goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Jaime Pinedo, Jaime Pinedo, my goalkeeper of the year pick, looked great as well. But Nick Romano stole the show. Uh, and yes, big win for Real Salt Lake uh, to go in there. It was an even game when you look at the stats. Although. Uh, obviously, the, the Galaxy had more more chances, uh, but in terms of possession, uh, in terms of just the team's kind of, it was it was a pretty even matchup. And hey, it wasn't just Joel, it wasn't just Jao Plata on the winner. Kyle Beckerman yeah. with the perfectly timed pass to find Plata, uh, just as he you know he he he, he beat the trap. He, he wasn't offside for anyone who who thinks he was <laughs> offside was not. He was he was clear as day. He was onside. Um, but yes, big big win for Jeff Kassar. And you know what? You gotta wonder if maybe, just maybe, LA was looking ahead to Club uh, Club Tijuana on Wednesday. I'm sure they'll say no. They're a veteran team, um, but you know that's a big game, and I, uh, you know I'm sure it had to be somewhere in their minds. But you know what was funny to me is it, it was so reminiscent of the last time I was yes. in LA, which was the one zero first leg playoff mm-hmm. game where they where they just absolutely were all over Salt Lake, and they kept missing chance after chance after chance. And it ended up costing them that series. So it's weird. It's funny. It's like that was how their season ended last year. And they come right back. Same opponent, same place, same issues. They couldn't finish. Yeah, I know. I, I found that interesting, too. It's just we also like just able to cause L.A. fits. At home, it's just fascinating. But like, I mean, as we said with Real Salt Lake, I mean, they really didn't bring in anyone over the off season, Ivis. But but for them, I mean, it's the same thing as kind of last year. You know, it's the the, the core pieces are intact. Uh, I mean, you know, their defense with Beckerman, Chris Winger, Tony Beltran, and and then you have Nat Borchers back there. And I mean, Nat Borchers, I thought had a fabulous game, and I think most teams would love to have a guy like that anchoring your back line. So for Real Salt Lake, you know, it's 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 you know, it, Ivis, it's. It's another game and another day for them. They just—it's the same players, and they just—they just know how to get the job done. Right. I mean, they're—they're going to be a handful all year. And 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 I, I, one thing I would point out is that, uh, you know, for some people that were curious about the transition in coaching, uh, the the change in the coaching staff, the change at the head coach position, would RSL still be the same? Mm-hmm. How different would they be? How much would they change because Jason Christ is gone and Jeff Gasard takes over? And I think. If you watch this game, you kind of saw some reasons to believe that there's not going to be a ton of change. Mm-hmm. There's not a change in philosophy overnight. Jeff Kassar subscribes to a lot of the same philosophies that Jason Christ did. That's why they that's why they got along so well, saw eye to eye. 
So from that standpoint, I don't think anyone should expect RSL to all of a sudden change their DNA. I think they're going to be pretty much like they were under Christ. And for that reason, I think they're going to have success again. Uh, Stain, look, I mean, look at all look at all these great games on the West Coast. I, look, I, I said this game was going to be 3-0 Vancouver, Ivis. I almost had it right. I think you said 3-1 Vancouver. So you and I both predicted a big win for Vancouver, but a 4-1 victory. Vancouver all over the New York Red Bulls who looked lethargic out there. The midfield was absent. The defense was asleep on half the goals. Vancouver all over the New York Red Bulls, even though they were, I, I will say the New York Red Bulls, Ivis, were a little shorthanded, but, I mean, you had to be very disappointed with just the way, I mean, the Red Bulls just were not prepared for this match. It did not even look like they were interested in playing at all. Help me out here. Why, why would I be disappointed? Oh, man, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, fans of New York <laughs> Red Bull fans, not you specifically, Ivis, but, but fans of the New York Red Bulls should be very disappointed with this. And look, this this match isn't going to determine the season. It's not going to say that blah, blah, blah. Because look, let's face it, New York is a New York's not a good team on the road. But still, first game of the season, though, you expect a little bit better out of this team. I mean, let's, all right, to be fair, two things. Number one, Vancouver looked great. Their new players look outstanding. Sebastian Fernandez, oh, yeah. a baller. Pedro Morales, baller. And I said, hey, with Morales, I, call, I said it in, our, in, the, in the show... In our preview show, when we were talking about newcomers and everything, I said, watch Morales, the guy can play. They have clearly added some big pieces that are going to help them be right there, right in the mix for the playoffs. So you have to give them their credit. That's number one. Number two, Red Bulls, no Henri, no, and more importantly, no Hamas and Olave. Hamas and Olave, the drop-off between Olave and the other defenders on that team is a cliff. You don't even understand the drop-off between him and the other defenders. So when he's not there... I mean, it's night and day. Now, we should also consider the fact that the game was even up until, you know, the first PK, and then they really poured it on later on. But they're outstanding. Uh, But, hey, I tell you what, the Red Bulls, if you're the Red Bulls, and you look at some of these players, Richard Eckersley, I don't know why they signed him to begin with. I thought that was a mistake. They should have kept, for me, they should have kept Brandon Barklage. I'm pretty sure I said it when they signed him. I didn't see the point. And going to get a foreign player who's going to cost you more when you get Brandon Barklage, quality player, or even keep Kosi, uh, you know, Kosuke Kimura, who's still, I think, he's still on the team. So why isn't he starting? Or even Connor Lee. What happened to Connor Lee? The guy, get, you know, national team camp after his rookie year, uh, quality rookie year. Then since Mike Pecky took taken over, he's the guy's in the witness protection program. Now, now obviously, I mean, this is totally fair. But look, I mean, who know? You know, who knows what's going on with him? He, he, you know, he, I've heard there's been issues with his confidence. Obviously, he's had injuries. But I digress. Back to Eckersley. I didn't get the point of signing the guy. The guy for me was never that good in Toronto. Now he comes to New York. First game, not great. And you know, it, it, and so between that and then Bobby Comey, I'm like, I as I said in the off season, I wasn't impressed with their pickups. They don't have depth, and without depth. They're going to get exposed because they're going to have injuries. And if they get injuries to any of their key guys, it's going to be bad news for them. So, Well, well okay. My, look, my, my thing with New York was this, and, and I understand that, that you don't have the depth. But 
in, in the first half, Vancouver was ripping shots from 30, 35 out in the midfield. I mean, you, come on. You can't let guys be ripping shots like from 30 yards out. And then and then, and then, then the second goal that Kenny Miller scored, I mean, Pedro Morales could have taken a nap on the ball. He could have set up like a camp and had a campfire and a couple s'mores before New York defenders came over. I mean, he didn't have to do anything on that. All he did was look up and play to Kenny Miller. I, it's just, to me, New York, man, they just, they just didn't come to play. They just, it was very disappointing for me to see them just – Half the time, just get a body in front of a – just get a body in front. I mean, okay, look, to be fair. I mean, maybe I'm being a little rough, but, I mean, come on, man. It's the Settle opening down. game. Settle down. The Morales to, to Miller goal, great goal. Great long pass, great chip. But, you know, it, it was a, a transition play. Morales got the ball. Nice touch, chest it, find some space. It's like on the other half of the field, right? I mean – I don't know. Like, yeah, could someone have gotten here? I'm sure. But I think that's a little nitpicky on that play. That was a great play. I'm not going to blow up the Red Bulls for that. But overall, in general, they couldn't deal with Darren Maddox and his speed, which stretched him all over the place. Darren Maddox looked – he looked awesome. Right. Well, he – well, that's the thing. So he – he his speed – he looked – yeah, he looked like he was ready to play. Mm-hmm. His speed was just too much. Totally exposed Deckers Lee. Totally exposed their back line. Stretched him out. Now, if you're Dax McCarty – and your defense is getting run ragged by Darren Maddox's speed, and then you've got these midfielders who are, who are just dropping dimes. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough go. So, I mean, I think anyone that looks at the, at McCarty's performance and say, oh, he didn't play well, like, okay, yeah, he didn't play well. But the guy, like, I mean, it's asking a lot of him to, to deal with deal with so much in the middle. And I think this is where, you know, for me, you want to – like, I'm not sold on the whole Tim Cahill as, as a forward thing. I think you need to keep Cahill in the middle. I think for me, if I'm the Red Bulls, I'm going four two three one. Play Kale and Dax McCarty in the middle, uh, and if you must play Lyndola as a playmaker, you play him as a playmaker. I'm not sold on that whole experiment. And then you play Terry uh, Terry Henry up top. So we'll we'll see how it all shakes out. They're a really weird, weirdly constructed team. I know they won the Supporters Shield last year. I know they've got a lot of the pieces back from that. I don't know, man. As I said all off season. I'm not sure about this. Guy. I think they're going to take a step back. But real quick, going back to Vancouver, as you said a little earlier, Sebastian Fernandez looks awesome. And Pedro Morales, I mean, what a finish on his goal, too. I mean, that's – first off, what a move by Ni- uh, Nigel Rayo Coker, too. Vancouver, I mean, hey, oh. very impressive, very impressive debut at home. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be tough. Yeah. They're going to be it could be very tough. I don't know. Then you bring like Kukuta Mane off the bench. I mean, what, what speed? <laughs> uh, Vancouver, man, they're, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, moving over to, to Texas, Houston Dynamo, Ivis. Maybe they silenced some critics by defeating the New England Revolution 4-0. to zero. I thought that a Dynamo are, were on the fortunate end of some bizarre kind of circumstances by the New England Revolution. I mean, Jose Gonsalves, I don't know what that was in the second minute. A.J. Soros kind of poor defending, and then the shot bounces off Omar Cummings and goes in. But look, New York capitalized on New England mistakes and won the game 4-0, and, and that's what you have to do. You have to capitalize on your opponent's mistakes. Right. I mean, look, take nothing away. Look, Will Bruin, the guy came to play, right? I mean, he, yep. he had a real slow start last year. I'm, it's clear he didn't want to do that again. He came out on fire and just they couldn't deal with him. They couldn't deal with him. And I do recall mentioning in our preview show when we were talking about potential Golden Boot people, people who could just blow up for 20 goals. I said, well, Bruin, I'm liking that pick even more now. The thing with Houston, and as don't hurt, said, Don't hurt your arm patting yourself on the back right there. <laughs> hey, I got to take it when I can get it. Here's the thing with Houston. As we said, when we talked about it before, before uh, in, in our preview, you know, just about the questions about are they going to still be a playoff team, uh, did they add enough? 
Uh, again, this is one game. Let's just preface that. This is one game. But if Will Bruin's going to play it at that level, if Omar Cummings is going to give you the energy that he showed in this first game, then they are absolutely a playoff team because they still have Dom Kinnear, who's one of the best coaches in the league. You've still got Brad, Brad Davis, Oscar Bonin Garcia, Ricardo Clark. So you got a lot, a lot of nice pieces. And, and obviously one of the things coming into this was how will their defense look? How will their, you know, that Bobby Boswell's gone. Uh, who's going to be there? Who's going to be in center defense there? So if you go, you know, it, it looks like David Horst, former Portland Timbers uh, center back, is in there. Um, you know, pretty solid first game. So th- that's encouraging. So if you're if you're a Houston fan, you got to feel pretty good to have that kind of statement victory against a highly regarded New England team to let everybody know that Houston's demise hasn't quite arrived. What did you make of the revolution in this game? Was it just circumstances of a one-game, things didn't work out for them? Or, or do you think that there's maybe some kinks they need to work out? I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. They, they, had, a, they had lots of success last year that you know they weren't expected to have. They, they over, overachieved, exceeded expectations. Now they've come into this year, I, I, I have a feeling that it was the case of a young and talented team maybe believe in their own hype. Maybe th- maybe walking into the whole thing feeling, you know what, we are this good. We are we are we have arrived. We you know we we're gonna come in this year. We're gonna boss people, and then they got punched in the face by Houston. And and Houston is the kind of team to do that to you because uh, they they you know Dom Kinnear is the coach there. He's gonna know what buttons to push. He's gonna know what to, who to go after, how to attack a team. And he did that. So for me, from that standpoint, Houston just really showed their experience over that New England team that's got talent but still probably has a little growing up to do. Uh, my, my favorite uh, comment from this game was when uh, Jerry Bankston missed the shot from, like, I think two yards out, and I think the announcer's like, he scores goals for his international team. And I was like, yeah, but he doesn't score goals at MLS, though. <laughs> is that all you got, man? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is my one takeaway from the game. Uh, you were bored this weekend of that, that entertainment. <laughs> Um, staying in the East, Ivis, uh, DC Columbus, D, uh, Columbus defeats DC three to zero. And, and you and I kind of talked about this with the Columbus crew. Uh, I think they're going to live and die, live and die with their big three. I mean, with, with Federico Higuain, Javier Arrieta and Dominic Arturo, he, Dominic Arturo did not play this past weekend. Uh, but Federico Higuain, Ivis scores a brace, Jairo Arrieta, uh, scores a goal, uh, for Columbus and, and Columbus, man, they, they just look like a team that's just more in sync than, than DC who, only has four returning starters really from last year and has a lot of chemistry things to work out. But for Columbus, I, mean, they, I thought they looked pretty good in, in the opening game of their season. Right. It's one game. We don't want to get into panic mode with D.C. But I think it is interesting to note that of the teams that underwent dramatic overhauls, that dramatic roster shakeups, all of them, I think I would say all of them except D.C., had a good start. Had a good first game. Think about it. Let's go. Let, let's run it down. Seattle, big shakeup. They won. Mm-hmm. Chivas USA, big shakeup. Yeah. Won. Philadelphia, big shakeup. Big road draw. Vancouver, big shakeup. Won. Uh, so I mean, you know, when you look at that, and and then you then it's it makes it Columbus Crew, big shakeup. They won. So from the DC United standpoint, yes, it's one game. You're not going to be in panic mode. They have a lot of players on that team. But again, the question is, how do pieces fit? It's one thing to just get pieces. It's another to know what the vision is, to know how these pieces are going to work together, what system it's going to work in, and if you're going to get it all in order and get it to work. And 
obviously these other teams have at least from at the beginning looked like they're heading in good directions. Columbus, perfect example. Greg Berhalter came in. He, you know, his mandate was we, you know, we want to be a, a, a strong possession team. We want to control games. We want to dominate. We want to, you know, and and it showed in their stat. When you look at the stats and you look at this game, uh, you know, they they. 505, I think it's 505 completed passes, most in, in the league in week one, even more than Portland. Um, they, they had the second best percentage uh, of possession edge. Only Portland had a higher possession edge. And their passing percentage was the highest in the league uh, for week one. So, I mean, right there already, you see that, you know, that it's the style. And Greg Berhalter's putting his stamp on this team. And he did, you know, he did that with, with the, some, you know, obviously some tweaks to the lineup. To, you know, bringing in the two new center backs, going and getting Hector Jimenez from Columbus, uh, but it's all about a philosophy, and that's the thing. It's gonna for all these new coaches in the league, all these young coaches. I mean, at this point, the coach, the the, the league is is flooded with inexperienced coaches. We're gonna see who are the good ones and who are the not so good ones. Who are the ones that are ready for prime time, and who are the ones that probably aren't gonna be around long. And based and it's only and hey, one week, one week. But early signs are Greg Berhalter. He might, he just might do some good things there. Well, and and I think it helps. As I said, I mean, you have your big three right there. But I, I think it also was nice to see an impressive performance from from Michael Parker, who shut down Eddie Johnson, Josh Williams, who I really like as a player. I thought had a fabulous game for the crew, and and, and then for for DC for for people who are saying, oh, it's going to be a long season for DC. Just relax. If DC's struggling by the end of April, okay, then you could freak out and say the season's over. But just Give this team some time. Just chillax. It's one game out right. of a lot. So everyone take it easy. Wrap it up. <laughs> well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be the voice of reason because everyone's like panic button already. It's like just relax. Okay. Let's get back to Columbus since you've got you, you talked about both teams and you <laughs> that little soliloquy. So now refresh my memory here. I seem to recall somebody, I don't remember who it was, who said they want Josh Williams as center back. <laughs> right back i don't know who said i that. don't know who said that that was the most <laughs> reckless comment I, ever i said look michael parkers was the best 11 center back josh williams can play right back and do a pretty good job and that's what we saw against dc united man my arm is killing me hold on let me stretch my arm out dude this right. is why this is why i'm not a coach ivis <laughs> i'm not a coach either but look it's it's all about experience watching the league michael parkers is quality and that's the thing it's so easy to forget from you know all these years he spent at norge island in kind of, you know, no man's land when people didn't get to watch him play and all people knew was that he was playing fullback and then he'd get called in and actually play fullback. People forgot. And there's like a whole almost generation of people who have no idea the guy was a top-notch center back in MLS. And now he's back. He hasn't forgotten how to play center back. I mean, it's it's he, he still knows how to play it. He was outstanding. And Josh Williams, hey, guy sets up a goal. Mm-hmm. Great at right back. I, I, I've called. I've said it before. For me, he's like he's a poor man's Jeff Cameron. I, I like, and he's got that kind of quality, that kind of ability. So you know what? For the Columbus Crew, I, I I I really like the defense that they've put together there. For me, as I've said, questions were about the attack. You can't get too crazy about them having this big win because you know what? They're still, like when we're looking at the rankings, like my rank, like they're. They're a little ahead. They're ahead of DC. They're, 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 you kind of, you know, depend, you know. So it, it's not a huge upset, is what I'm saying, what I'm getting at. Like Houston crushing New England. Yeah, that's a head turning. That's a head turning result, no doubt about it. Columbus beating DC, 
not so much. Although it, it, if it says anything, it, 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 it's it's interesting to note that it seems like Columbus has done a better job. Greg Berhalter's done a better job of putting the pieces together, getting a plan in order, getting them heading in a good direction much faster than, than Ben Olsen has with this revamped DC team. Again, one game, one game. Yeah. We'll, we'll see as it, we'll see how it goes. But early signs are not that promising. Well, and for me, I mean, the Columbus crew, their biggest issue, Ivis, last year was was their consistency. And, and they, like I said, and, I, and I'm going to keep saying this, they live and die with their big three. And if their big three, if Higuain, Arrieta, and Nerduro can constantly deliver, crew will be a good team. Can those guys be consistent? That's something that we're going to have to watch. To, we're well, going to have to watch. I will say, the big, no, the, the big issue with Columbus is, can they do it against the better teams? That's what, that was, that's what separated them from the playoff teams last year. They couldn't. To consistently really put up a good threat against the top. We're talking the top teams because if they want to be a top team, they got to start beating the top teams. We're talking about playoff caliber teams, and that's what's going to make that's going to be the interesting part is to see how great how Berhalter's system, how Ber, how Ber, Berhalter's vision for this team is going to play out once the starts to get tougher. And, and I tell you what, I am absolutely looking forward to see it because I'm not saying they're not going to be able to do it. But I want to, you need to see it. That's when you're really going to ha- get a better sense of just where Columbus is. Now, the funny thing is with them, they have a bye week this next week. So they have a whole, you know, they got a week off to savor this victory. And then they come back on March 22nd at home against the Philadelphia Union. And I'll tell you what, that, my friend, is going to be a good match. Yeah, that will be a good match. Uh, heading over to Texas and uh, checking out the Big D. FC Dallas defeats the Montreal Impact 3-2. to two. Uh, and, and Ivis, I mean, you had to be just really impressed with a few things from FC Dallas in this game. Mauro Diaz, he is exciting to watch. Uh, Blas Perez, ha- I thought, had a good game, too. Fabian Castillo, I mean, the goal was handed to him on a silver plate, but he still finished in the final third. And, and for Dallas, I mean, you had to be really happy with, with, a, with a home victory for Oscar Perea over the impact. Right. I mean, it's how you want to start things off the Oscar Perea era. And and look, coming into the year, and we talked about it, can Mauro Diaz be the playmaker? Can he fill the shoes that have been left by Davi Ferreira and the whole Ferreira era mm-hmm. in Dallas? You know, Diaz showed signs last year. He showed signs late last year. And now one game in, quality, quality performance against a Montreal team that in the middle is not to deal with. I mean, they've got some guys in there, Pedro Bernier, Hernan Bernardiello. I, I, it wasn't exactly a cupcake midfield that that Mauro Diaz did his damage against. So I think if you're if you're an FC Dallas fan, you gotta be pretty excited. Uh, and then again, their defense, yes, they gave up some goals, but look, they don't have George John. They're still working out some kinks. They had Moises Hernandez at center back, which I thought was a little interesting. You know, he's he's more a fullback. But you know, credit to Pradeja, he has his vision. He ha- he knows where to put guys. And it's a promising start for them, and that's without even incorporating David Teixeira. Uh, or I don't know if it's Teixeira or Tejeda, I don't know how he pronounces it, but the you know how he he didn't even play, and then uh, Andres Escobar, I think he just played a couple minutes. So their new guys haven't even got incorporated yet. So good first start for them. But again, I think Montreal. I think we agree, one of the teams that we see finishing pretty low in the standings mm-hmm. anyway. So that's not the the best test yet for FC Dallas. And to remind folks that you know I have I going into the season I had FC Dallas being that fifth team, that playoff team in the West. But that is going to be a tough, tough, tough race now. When you look at how good Vancouver looked in their opener, 
but you know what? Encouraging start for FC Dallas. Oh, very encouraging start. And I think without it, I mean, and the nice thing is, I mean, I, you know, Oscar Brea has shown that he can develop you know, young players and, and take them to that next level. And you hope that this is going to be something special between he and Mauro Diaz. I, I mean, Mauro Diaz was just all over the field. I mean, that free kick that he scored, Ivis, that, that was just, it was it was brilliant. I mean, it was it was, it was just gorgeous. It, it was, was gorgeous. It, it, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I don't know about the, I don't know about the penalty that he drew. Ooh. I got to say that looked like a dive. I, you know what? I have no issues with that penalty. Don't touch him. Just don't touch anyone I, in the box. That I, I am very okay. You touched him, you're allowed to fall in my book. I agree that you shouldn't put your hands on. You shouldn't touch because then if they feel it, they're going to go down. Or some guys are going to go down. That's more Diaz did. Give him credit. Nice acting job. But it doesn't take away great performance from him. Encouraging stuff. Hey, at that at that speed, at that speed, Ivis, uh, a gust of wind could knock you down. Listen, I wasn't saying the ref blew the call, but. Definitely, when you watch the replay, you watch it enough times, and I did. I watched it a bunch of times because I, I wanted to see for myself. You know, did, did did he really pull him in the area? And and it was pretty clear that he dove. But hey, FC Dallas, good win. But it's getting much tougher next week. They go to Sporting Kansas City, the Sporting Kansas City team that lost their opener and is gonna. You know, if anything, you say, hey, maybe they'll be tired because they're gonna play Cruz Azul on Wednesday. But it's not easy winning in Kansas City, so that that'll tell us a lot more about this FC Dallas team. Hey, to me, Mauro Diaz, smart player, got t- hey, got touched him from behind. He knew when to go down. Uh, in the final game of the weekend, Ivis, uh, what appeared to be a snooze fest turned into a five goal second half. Chivas USA defeats the Chicago Fire five to zero. Mar- uh, Mauro Rosales, uh, I-, I mean, we talked about how we thought this was going to be a great pickup for Chivas USA. It pays dividends in the first game. Uh, your boy, Thomas McNamara, has a goal in his in his debut for the GOATs. And for Chivas USA, I-, I mean, to be able to come back and then fight and get the goal at the very end to defeat the Chicago Fire, I mean, you know, Chivas USA, is, is I don't think they're going to rock shock the world, but, I mean, I think they're going to be much improved over, over the way they finished last year. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go that far as far as much improved from where as far as where they'll finish, but much improved in terms of the quality of play. I agree with you. I think uh, you know I think they're going to be better in that regard. But let's let's again take it down a notch. Chicago isn't a team that 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 any. I, I mean I know I didn't have them rank low. I th- at high. I think I had actually them in Montreal at the bottom along with Chivas USA. But, the, I mean, this one, 0-0 zero, zero at halftime, and then the wheels completely fell off the Chicago defense. And, uh, you know, it's yes, I know, Mike McGee wasn't there, but Mike McGee doesn't play defense. Man. I know. He doesn't play center back. He doesn't play uh, left back. Gonzalo Cigars obviously didn't have a great day. Uh, that was another one. I thought that. I, I, thought, I didn't think that was a penalty. I thought, I thought Torres totally initiated the contact and then went down. And it's like, you know, and you got to know, some of these guys, some of the quote-unquote more, more creative guys – some of the guys from the Luis Suarez school of uh, theatrics, <laughs> they know they're replacement reps. They know these guys, the guys might, you know, not be as sharp. So they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna try and get them, see what they can get away with. But look, she was gonna say very encouraging stuff. Tommy McNamara, rookie, SBI rookie of the week. The guy can play. Second round pick. You see the mullet. That's what, he needs to do something with that hair. It's it's come on. It's it's not even that good memorable and you know what's funny as bad as you can as bad as you want to say it is it looks amazing next to both of Bautista. oh his is horrible 
It's like the worst hairdo in the history of MLS. It is horrible. It's like, you know what? It's like, it's like if Sebastian Velasquez had like had a really rough life for the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's what would be left of him. Would be both of Batista's hairdo. It's it's like some, it's like straight out of Mad Max. It's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, I digress. Mara Rosales looked great. Uh, she was going to say really quality stuff as far as creative soccer. Give I give Wilma Cabrera credit if that's what they're going to do. They're going to be able to create chances like that and play that kind of quality soccer. That you like to see that. Uh, defensively, they they still have some issues. Obviously, I don't I don't think they're all there yet, but. Promising stuff for them. No, I think very, very promising stuff. I mean, in, in for the in nothing to take away from the Chicago Fire. I mean, I think it's also nice to see uh, Benji Hoya scoring a goal for you in his debut. So, I mean, I, I think for both teams, even though the Chicago Fire lost, I, I think they can draw some positives from this game. I mean, Quincy. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'm not going to attempt at it. But his goal was really nice. Uh, I mean, Thomas McNamara, you got to stick your leg out right there, try to deflect the shot out. But for the Chicago Fire, I mean, as far as their offensive output, I, I think you could take some positives for them, even though they lost in this game. Quincy Amariqua. Thank you. I've, I've heard it two ways. I've, I, the way I said it when he first came into the league was Quincy Amariqua. But then I've also heard Quincy Amariqua. But anyway... And look, they lay off of McNamara, okay? It was a quickly take a shot. If you watch it in slow-mo, yeah, it looks like maybe he could have got there. But I gotta, you got to give Amara uh, uh, Clark credit because he, he, he it was so quick. He was so quick with the turn in the shot that you just couldn't – they couldn't expect it. It was so quick. It was so quick. But you know what? I don't know, man. I don't know if I, how many bright spots I can think about with this game because the thing is, right, we talked about it, the fire defense. I thought they made their defense worse with the moves they made. They got rid of Jaleel Anipaba. They got rid of Austin Berry. They replaced them with John Kennedy Hurtado and Lavelle Palmer. And for me, that's a step back. I don't see how you could not say it's a step back. So I think that's going to come back to haunt them. And I said it. The Hurtado, you know, if you combine Hurtado with um, Baki Sumari, I think you're asking for trouble there. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. If they, I don't know if things are going to get much well, better. And, and you have Lovell Palmer. I mean, and look, I, I think Lovell Palmer is a, a good guy who can come off the bench and spot duty, but starting for the whole season. I, I still think Austin Berry for the Philadelphia Union, I think that will go down as one of the best moves in the offseason that, that any team did. I mean, well, I mean, Austin Berry, get rid of him? I, that, I, that will still boggle my mind for years to come. Well, again, uh, you know, from what I understand, they had to make the move to to clear the room to sign Mike McGee. They needed the salary cap space. So from that from that standpoint, you can kind of understand it. But back, you know, the thing is, right, with all the other question marks in the defense for them, you know, you, you figure the guy that you can count on is Gonzalo Cigars, but he had, you know, he, he didn't have he didn't have a great showing either. So I mean, if, if he's going to have shaky moments, then you're really in trouble. Uh, before we started talking Chivas USA, you typed to me, "LOL." What was what was that about? Uh, it was a statement that you said that was. Uh, if you listen to it again, you you realize how kind of unfortunate it was that you said. It. Oh, what? what? So, so I said what? What I say? <laughs> it was uh, it was about Mora Diaz. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. Oh, stop it! And with that, Ivis, we're going to take a little break right here. Hear a word from our sponsor and talk Americans abroad right after this break. Do you know me? I'm the guy next door. Wife, child, mortgage. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just like you. I'm John Doe. John Doe's killing career criminals. Hero or villain. The punishment no longer fits the crime. Justice or vengeance. 
You decide. I'm not John Doe. You are. John Doe. Rated R. Starts Friday, March 21st. And Ivis, it was a little bit of a quiet weekend for the Americans abroad in Europe. Kind of an up and down one. Uh, we're going to start off with, with an interesting one. Breck Shea, his loan to Barnsley has ended due to a fan incident in which he gave a fan uh, a middle finger. Is something like this going to really jeopardize his chances for the World Cup? Okay, first of all, I don't know if we actually know exactly what happened. I didn't see video of it. That's what they're claiming he did. That's, you know, there was like this incident. If he did, yeah, the, obviously they weren't happy with it. So he ended up getting sent back to Stoke. Uh, from what I understand, from my sources tell me, I reported it for goal on Monday. There are other league championship clubs that have lined up for his services that aren't in. The question, the question now, though, is, you're Breck Shea. Do you stay at Stoke and battle for some minutes off the bench and, and, and kind of you know, is, is it better getting, you know, 15 to 20 to 25 minutes as a reserve for Stoke? Or do you go to a league championship side and try to become a regular starter? I think he's going to have that opportunity. I think some teams were pretty happy with what they saw with him uh, from him when he was with Barnsley. So I think those opportunities are there. But the question is, does he do that or does he stay with the Premier League team, Stoke City, and, and really try to fight for a spot there? Uh, on the bench. I mean, uh, as far as in the rotation, maybe as as one of Mark Hughes' uh, top guys off the bench, as far as fighting, becoming a starter in that, you know, they pretty much have their lineup there. It's going to be tough for him to become a starter, but that's going to be the question mark. Does he stay there or does he go to find another loan? Well, what do you think the best move for him? I mean, he needs playing time. I mean, he should find another loan. He needs to keep playing. Listen, based on what happened with Mercy do there, you never know what the heck is going on in Stoke City. Uh, so for me, if I, you know, if I'm Breck Shea and I can go to a league championship team where I'm going to get regular playing time, I'd rather go there. I'd rather, uh, it's a world cup year. You got a couple of months to, to, you know, really put yourself into shape, uh, you know, get a couple, you know, get minutes and really sharpen your game. And I, I, I would not want to take that chance. Uh, I wouldn't want to take a chance on, on, on jeopardizing my world cup hopes to stick around in Stoke city and then become the latest American who gets glued to the bench. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, it was a good weekend, Ivis, for Aaron Johansson, who scored his 15th and 16th goals, recorded a brace for uh, Zed. His uh, first goal was nice. His second goal was gorgeous. Nice little fancy footwork in the box, kind of dribbled through two guys, and then calmly saw to the ball. You can check out that goal on soccerbyivis.net. Check out the Americans Abroad, both goals. You can you can see there's, there's videos uh, right there. But Ivis, I mean, Aaron Johansson, I mean, Continues to keep scoring. It's uh, he, he keeps putting his name in that conversation for a starting spot in Brazil. Uh, yeah, I mean, he it hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, it's going to stay in in that conversation, and it's going to continue to be up to Jurgen Klinsmann to figure out what he wants to do, and and how he wants to approach it. Is he going to have to start considering the four four two? Because let's face it, for anyone who wants to continue to suggest it. I don't see he is – I just do not think he's going to bench Josie Altidore for Andrew Hansen. Andrew Hansen is not going to be your target striker playing on the international level. It's not his game. He can't do it. It's not going to happen. So it's either Josie Altidore in a 4-2-3-1 and play Andrew Hansen wide or 4-4-2, Andrew Hansen and, and Josie Altidore together. So it's one of those two, how do you get him on the field – and there's, there, are all, there are other issues as well, other questions as well. You're playing a team like Ghana, really dangerous team. 
you you need players who can who can be committed to pressing, committed committed to defending and playing both ways. And Aaron Johansson, yes, the guy's got tons of skill and ability, but does he have that that commitment to defend and and, and to press and to be a pest and, and to keep Ghana honest? That's the question for me. And I've been saying it for I don't know how many shows now. I see Aaron Johansson being a, a, a guy you bring off the bench in the first game, and then I could see him starting in the second game. That, that That's how I could see it playing out. Uh, it's good that he's scoring all these goals, and but for again, I'll say it a million times, for all the people that want to say, oh, Julie Upstory, he's, he's just not playing well, he's not playing well, he's not playing well, Aaron Johansson's scoring a ton of goals. Aaron Johansson said, I said, Josie Altador is in the Premier League. Josie Altador has already shown he can score goals in at AZ in the, in the Dutch League. So for anyone who wants to go ahead and suggest Johansson is better than Josie Altador, it's just not not just based on – you can't just base it on that. I'll just put it like that. So I will say this. People have a reason to be a little concerned about Josie Altador. He didn't play. He was apparently sick. That's that's what's being reported. He's you know He got sick. He didn't play in the FA Cup game for them. But you got to be a little worried. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, for people looking for more fuel to throw in that fire of you know bench Josie Altador, bench Josie Altador. I mean, he didn't dress in Sunderland's three zero loss the whole city on Sunday in in the FA Cup. So I mean, hopefully he he was sick and hopefully he returns back to uh, to some playing time here, Ivis. Clock's ticking, and and the weeks are starting to go by. We're three months from the World Cup, so he needs to get it together, man. He needs to you know get on the field. Get that confidence going, um, and and I've said it before. You know, he had the same issues at Hull City in 2010, and he still managed to have a uh, a good World Cup and make some things happen. Having said that, he needs to get something going in these next few months. He needs to start scoring some goals, at least getting on the field and playing regularly for them, uh, because that, I'm telling you, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough for him to go to Brazil and just flip a switch without having got anything going in these next couple of months. Uh, staying in uh, in England, Ivis uh, Everton got smoked by Arsenal, who are uh, who who look like they're going to win their first trophy in eight years. And uh, I mean, they they Everton only lost because Tim Howard didn't play in this game. So that that's 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 the only thing from this game is Tim Howard. If he plays, Everton will pro- should have probably won that game. Oh well, if he didn't play, then there you go. Man. No <laughs> um, hey, you know what? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, the more shocking part, while Tim, while we didn't have. Tim Howard win an FA Cup game. We did have another player whose game was re- grown in America win, and that was Ra- Roger Espinosa and Wigan once again beating Manchester City. I know this is not – some people say, well, this is not Americans abroad. Roger Espinosa plays for Honduras. Yeah, fine. All well and good. fact of the matter is Roger Espinosa, his game was honed in America. He played high school and college in America. Mm-hmm. Played in MLS, so we can talk about him. He's won an he's won an FA Cup before, and now all of a sudden they're back again. They're in the they're in the, in the semifinals, so I don't think we should hand Arsenal a trophy just yet because you never know with Wigan. Uh, Roger Espinosa, Ivis, do you know where he honed his college skills? Ohio State. Oh, in Arizona. That's right. Oh, Junior college. Oh, that's right. That's right. The Arizona connections always abound on this show. There you go. Uh, it's like like the, like your stupid Jersey connections. Um, <laughs> uh, slightly, there's just a few more Jersey connections in, in American soccer than, than Arizona. Yeah, details. Um, Ivis uh, Jose Gringo Torres uh, scored for Tigres 
over the weekend in, in a big victory over Cruz Azul. And, uh, I mean, he may be a player, Ivis, that, that could possibly receive a call-up for that uh, Mexico game, which is like, I'm looking at my clock in three weeks from now. Clock's ticking. We'll be, we'll be there soon. we got to get the party plans together. But anyway, I digress. Jose Torres, he's, you know, there's a, here's a guy who's easily forgotten about uh, just with all the other midfielders, European-based midfielders. Uh, he hadn't been getting regular minutes at, at Tigres since the move, well, this year. So he was kind of written off. But obviously big goal, first goal, uh, and then to beat a team like Cruz Azul, all of a sudden Tigres has got a little roll going. So it's good timing. It's good timing because you know what? He, he should get a chance. To get called in, uh, and when you look at some, and when you think about it, you're going to have MLS and Mexican League players for this U.S. team mm-hmm. in April. Uh, and you know what? There, there, there's not there's not that many midfield options when you want to talk about central guys like him. Um, so I, I think he'll be there. Will he start? That's going to be a big question. You got guys like Joe Corona, Kyle Beckman, Benny Benny Failhaber, uh, Michael Bradley. Oh, yeah, Michael Bradley. I know. Michael Bradley's going to be in this game. He seems going to be nasty against Mexico. Just nasty. No, but hey, to be fair, Mexico. They got a, they, they, Mexico has a lot of their players playing in Mexican League, too. So. It's going to be a good game. Competitive-wise, it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a very good game. And not just because we're both going to be there. So that'd well, be okay. the first, My only the issue... First Wait, go ahead, game. sorry. This is going to be the first national team game we attend together. I, I know I'm excited. I, I just put in my credential. Uh, I just put in my credential today. I put it as a as a journalist, but I might be doing TV work, so I might not be able to hang out with you during the game. But we we, we, we gotta start playing the party. Look at you! What is this? I didn't know about this. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing TV work. Oh, I also told my mom and dad that we're throwing a party. Then I told my parents that they have to come, and then we'll all take a picture. You know, me, my mom and dad, and Alexi Lawless. But we'll finally. We'll finally get to the bottom of the issue. That could be awkward. That's like an episode of Maury Povich or something. You know what's weird? I told my mom. My mom's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> it's like my mom was like really excited to do it. <laughs> what if they recognize each other? Hold Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. They're not going to. Relax. They, but, they, they, they just kind of messed up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. All right, let's move on. Uh, but yeah, we'll start planning the party. We'll, 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 start, we'll start next week. Yes, I'll, I'll put the I'll put the order in for the Jaguars. Oh yeah, nah, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'll bring, bring my own BYOB. Really? Why don't we just throw a house party? We could do, we could throw it at my high rise. That could be fun. What are we kidding? Play? Who do you talk to? What? No, we'll find somewhere. We'll do a party. Where are we gonna do the party? I don't know, man. It depends. Like, there's three areas in Phoenix we could do it in. Like, we could do it in Scottsdale, and that's kind of like more clubby. You're not doing it. In- Okay, okay. Or we could do it in Tempe, where that's like college scene. Or we could do it in downtown Phoenix, which is like kind of art hipsterish. So I mean, we have three areas to choose from. Okay, where do you live? I live in downtown Phoenix. So we're gonna do it there because we can just crawl back to your like to your place after we're, you know, after we're done hosting the party. Yeah. So. If anyone wants to crash in my place, you can crash in my place. Whatever. You sure? Are your parents gonna allow that? <laughs> this this freaking guy. <laughs> Uh, I was Americans abroad. One final thing we need to talk about. Hey, you. Uh, Joe Corona and uh, Matt Garza both started for Tijuana over the weekend. Uh, you know, as always, it's it's nice to see the Americans uh, playing for them. I didn't realize Tijuana had pitchers. Oh, Greg Garza, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? You do your fantasy baseball prep? Oh, oh my God, my fantasy team for for your league. I uh, I'm in one thousand and like four hundred and like sixty eighth place or something like that. 
Nice. I, I forgot to reset my lineup and like I go to check and I was like I was like oh I probably didn't do that bad this weekend I'm like I played Mauro Rosales like he probably got me some points and I check and I got like thirty points this weekend I was like oh god I'm in like two I'm in like two fifty or something yeah so I'm gonna have to step it up this weekend all right back back to the what I said go go back to talk about what I just said wait what did you just say? I just said that Joe Corona and Greg Garza played this weekend for Tijuana all right well I didn't see the game so oh okay I'll, all right. All right. One, two, three. It, it's definitely another case of good timing. Joe Corona in and out of the lineup, been struggling to get a regular foothold in the starting lineup for Tijuana. Here he is getting a start finally. And if he can get it going now, he's got a few weeks, as we've said, three weeks now. If he can get a good run of starts, I mean, I think he'll get called in either way. Because obviously, I, I think Cliff is going to call in all the all the Liga MX-based players that that he's used in the past. I mean, we're going to see, obviously, Beasley, Orozco, Torres, Corona, Gomez, Castillo, maybe? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Greg Garza. Uh, and who knows? We might even see Paul Ariola. Um, but, no, yeah, for Corona, it's good timing because, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, it's it was only, what, six months ago, seven months ago, where people really saw him as, as kind of a, a lock for the World Cup team, or someone who's who, who's a safe bet for the World Cup team. And again, when you think about that kind of lack of creative midfield options, creative central midfield guys, um, with shots clutched and not really doing, you know, completely botching his chance, mixed disgrude, not lighting the world on fire, the door is still open there for Joe Corona. Because I mean, Joe Corona can play. I mean, people remember in the Gold Cup, the guy can play. So you know what? If he puts a few games together here. Get some momentum going, and then he plays well in that Mexico game. He is right there. He's right there, you know. Because if you're if you're one of these fringe guys, you just want to get the invite to that camp, that pre pre roster camp. Assuming that's how he's going to do it. Again, we we don't know for a fact he's going to do it that way, but if he is going to do it, you know, if you can get into that camp and impress in the camp, maybe you can make the final cut. I think Corona still has a chance. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting one to watch with the uh, USA-Mexico to see who gets called up for that one. Ivis, before we move on to the SBI Q&A, uh, we need to hear a little word uh, from our from our sponsor regarding a little contest. It's, uh, it's I mean, first off, Ivis, who doesn't love Netflix? Uh, thanks to Main Street Films' new suspense thriller, John Doe, Vigilante, you could win a free 15-year online subscription to Netflix. John Doe, Vigilante, the controversial thriller coming to theaters on March 21st, and John Doe has targeted you as a worthy successor to his cause. As he awaits the verdict of his trial, it's your turn to fight for justice. Get on Joe's John Doe's list and support the movement, and you'll be entered to an exclusive John Doe merchandise like t-shirts and posters, but only a select few can call themselves the ultimate vigilante. Those who earn this distinction will receive a free 15-year online subscription to Netflix, Go to John Doe Vigilante Film.com backslash get on the list. That's all with hyphens in there. Enter to win John Doe Vigilante in theaters March 21st. And uh, a free online subscription for 15 years, Ivis. That's a, that's a pretty long time. That's a whole lot of house of cards right there. I, I would be, I, I'm trying to think, I would be 23 by the end of that subscription. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, young. We ain't that young. <laughs> you know what's funny? I think 15 years would be. Uh, I think it, even with those 15 years, I think my kids would still uh, not get tired of watching Power Rangers videos because that's all they seem to do. On oh, dude, I watched Power Rangers all the time as a kid. Um, 
I wonder what it's like now. Do they? I'm sure they have like bizarre colors and stuff like that, right? It's the same stuff that you watched, but it's like, you know, the the new generation of kids they haven't obviously seen that old stuff, so to them it's new. So, and it's 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 still cheesy as ever. <laughs> all that stuff is always cheesy. Um, all right, I was time to move on to the SBIQ. And a uh, first question comes from Raul. Has there ever been a top European manager come to Major League Soccer? If uh, if if not, do you see any manager here someday? Uh, let's see. Bora Milutinovic came to MLS before. Uh, Carlos Alberto Pereira came to MLS before. Carlos Quiroz came to MLS before. Now, but these are all, you're going back a ways, right? Uh, I don't know if anyone would call Rude Hulit a top uh, European manager, but if you're talking about like the Mourinho's, the Guardiola's, are we going to see those guys in MLS? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I don't know if that'll. Uh, I don't know if we'll see that. Mourinho, who knows? You know, I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. I could see Miami. I could see Miami hiring, hiring some like some mm-hmm. manager, some some foreign manager. Um, so you know what? I think I'll say yes. I think we will see. Uh, a high-profile manager come here in the next five years. Uh, next question comes from Michael D. How patient should DCU fans be with the new look side? Is Saturday's loss a sign of things to come? Well, what are they, what are, what's the other choice, right? It's week one. It's week two. What are you going to do, burn down RFK because they, they lost to the crew in their first game? Uh, you know, it, you just have to let it play out. You have to let, you have to see how the pieces come together, how the group comes together, how Ben Olsen uh, – you know, gets this team going. Because I'll tell you right now, pressure, the pressure has to be on him, right? I know he won a U.S. Open Cup, and I know D.C. uh, loved to talk about how their season wasn't that bad because they won a trophy. It's all well and good. But you know what? With all the changes they've made to that team, if they stumble out of the gate and they they, they fall to the bottom of the East again, even with Eddie Johnson and, you know, DP money that he's on, and even with the rebuilt defense – and they they still they still don't put it together, and and, and they're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference uh, come May, June. I mean, I'm sorry, DC's got to start thinking about a new coach because uh, uh, at that point, you, what can you do? You know, you got you got to make a change. You got to shake some things up. Uh, Ivis, next question comes from Aaron Flynn. Biggest disappointment in Week One? Uh, uh you know, I, I know it's easy to say the Red Bulls, uh, Supporter Shield winners, uh, going on the road and getting smoked. But I think the fact that Henri and Olavi weren't there, it's kind of you can kind of get how that would happen. And as you said, they're not a great they had you know they weren't a great road team last year, even though they won Sport of Shield. So for me, I'm gonna say New England getting just destroyed by Houston. Houston's a good team, but New England, you know, they came in with the expectations. They came they, they came in uh, as this kind of you know could they build on the the success of last year? So they they're one. And I tell you what, Portland. I, I mean Portland. You know, credit to Philadelphia, gave them all they could handle. So it was as much about Philly playing well as Portland uh, playing bad. But you know what, Portland, you, you thought fireworks, we'd see goals, 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 did happen. But will it happen? You know, like just Caleb Porter talking out of the match. He, Caleb Porter is confident the floodgates are going to open. You know, that you know that was his phrase. So we'll see. We'll see next week. It's open. Next question comes from Nihal. Are the crew a playoff team? Tough one, man. Again, beating D.C. does not make you a playoff team. D.C. is not going to be a playoff team. So let's look at the Eastern Conference right now. Let's look at it real quick, right? So Sporting KC, they're going to be there. I think that's pretty safe. Uh, I think we can agree on that. Uh, for me, Houston. I think Houston's going to be there. So we can agree on that. Uh, 
then the rest will get it, it probably won't be as much of a consensus. But for me, I think Philadelphia is going to be there. Uh, I think New York, even though I see them falling off, I don't see them falling completely out of the playoffs. So wait, think, wait, 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 wait. Do you have Houston in the playoffs? I have Yeah, I have them now. I'll tell you what. Oh, no. Things change, man. Things change from week to week. And, they, you know, you, you, you see them in action. If Will Bruin, look, Will Bruin, and I said it, they needed they needed someone who's going to score goals. If Will Bruin is going to be a big goal, if he's going to put it all together this year and be a 15, 20-goal guy, and that's what that's what they needed, right? That's what they needed to kind of get put it all together for them. So I have them in the playoffs. I'm not betting against Tom Kinnear anymore. He's too good a coach. It's in a league in a league full of novice coaches, he is an experienced coach and he knows what he's doing. So I, he gives that team that edge over so many other teams in the league. But again, let's go. Sporting Kansas City, Houston, Philly. Then you have uh, let's say New York, not falling out, but they're still there. So then you have the fifth spot, and then you have Toronto FC. Big-time payroll they got. You got the Columbus crew. You, got, you could say they're right there. So I, I think those two teams, uh, you tell me who I'm forgetting, but I think those two teams are, are going to battle it out. Oh, well, I, I think we it. both agree that the East, I mean, whoever even finishes last in the East is going to be competitive throughout the whole entire season. I mean, I, I think we're going to see what we saw last year. It's going to come down to goals. I don't know. I don't know. Chicago, that defense looks pretty trash. It looks pretty atrocious. So... Uh, even if McGee comes back, and even if they go sign a DP, and their offense scores score some goals, that defense—I I don't know how many shutouts they're gonna. I mean, Sean Johnson is gonna have to like, you know, stand on his head and and be, uh, you know, Peter Schmeichel uh, or uh, you know, Gigi Buffon in his prime to to, to keep them in games because I, I don't know, man. I'm not. Their defense does not look good. Next question comes from Matthew. Is this the worst Yanks abroad have played in the lead up to a World Cup? And then he goes, hint, yes, it is. Uh, let's see. Well, I'll, I go for me. I go back to 2001, 2002. You know, that was my first World Cup cycle covering the national team. So, uh, is this worse than 2002 lead up? Yes. Is this worse than the 06 lead up? Yes. Is this worse than the 2010 lead up? Uh, it's. Uh, you know what? That's a tough one. I, I would say that. Here, here's the things. Okay, Josie Altador uh, was struggling then too. Uh, I don't think people put enough into the fact that there's quite a few guys playing in the league championship, which is a good league. And I think people write it off because it's not the premier league. But, I mean, you look at at that league, you look at some of the players that, you know, a good number of the players in that league are are players that you, that we know, that the average fan knows uh, because they played in the premier league before. So there is, that is a good league. And there are quite a few Americans in that league. So, uh, and, and, you know, now you've got a couple guys in the Dutch league. Where you didn't have him before. You got a couple guys in the Bundesliga. You got uh, Fabian Johnson in the Bundesliga. Uh, so I'd have to think back. I'd have to think back to 2010. But uh, you know what? It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Well, things can change in a month from now. I mean, if guys start blowing the cover off the ball, then it's not going to be the worst. So things change quickly. Well, I think he's asking about right now. And right now, I could see why people would argue it. Next question comes from Alexandria Seaborn. How ridiculous is this whole Brexit situation? I would say it looks like it. It looks like it was blown out of proportion. Uh, obviously, fans there. If you think about it, fans at Barnsley, they're 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 obviously frustrated and upset and and angry that you know their team's going to get relegated and here's this American player on loan, new Jack guy, to, new to the team, disrespecting fans. That, you know, based on what they think they saw. I mean, I can't say I saw it, so 
bit from what I've been told, it, it wasn't as bad as being portrayed. But is it unfortunate? But you know what? Sometimes these things happen, and it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe him him getting out of there early will give him an opportunity to go into actually a better team. Because look, they, that that incident to remind folks that incident happened in a, in like an ugly blowout loss. They're at the bottom of the standings in the league championship. They're going to get relegated. So you know what? If he now goes on and gets loaned somewhere else uh, to a better team in that league, or even better, if he goes to Stoke and gets some more, starts getting some minutes at Stoke, then he'll he'll end up being better off. So you know, let, let's not let's not you know throw dirt on Breck Shea's grave just yet. I, I think there's still a chance for him to redeem himself. Next question comes from Jeremy Richardson. Which MLS Week One goal scorer won't score another for the rest of the year? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm tempted to say Chad Barrett, but I have a feeling if I say that, he's probably going to win the Golden Boot. So I will probably say... Kenny I'll Miller? Go, uh, I'll go with Bobby Burling. D- damn it, I was going to say that. Why do you always got to be stealing what I'm going to say? Uh, me too, do it. Uh, it's yeah. all you do. You always steal what I'm going to say on this show. Crimea River. No, uh, I don't know. Let's 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 look at all the goals. Hey, dude, there's there's no one else. It's those. It's the, they're like the only two guys. I mean, everyone else you should score at least one more goal by the end of the year, uh, unless they get injured. Who scored the New York goal? Bradley Wright Phillips. He can score again for them. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Chivas, all their guys. Who, who, scored, who scored their goal? McNamara. He scored. He'll probably yeah. score again. And so, Torres will probably I'm, score again. Quincy Amarico might not score again. I mean, I don't know. That's not a given. Andrew Wenger? That could be one. No, I think I think Wenger's going to score again. <laughs> Who scored Montreal's other goal? Uh, oh, Berman. All this travel, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm having a brain fart right now. Uh, People probably listen to the show are like, oh my God, how do you not know this? Uh, yeah, remember. Son of Nasseri. Son Oh my God, I suck with names today. Uh, did you say Son of Nasseri? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I did. Nashby's love child. Yes, yes, Our I did. Or SBI uh, video uh, video coordinator. Um, whatever title I just made up for him. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Bobby Burling's a good call. I think McNamara's going to score a couple. I'm going to go with Bobby Burling. Bobby Burling? Yeah. Or Chad Barrett. Yeah. Uh, I was, next question comes from Jeremy. I'm sorry, not Jeremy. Jarrett Civilli. If Portland was to make a DP signing, what position would they fill, and who do you think they shoot for? Ooh, let's see. Let's go there. You know what? Their midfield is stacked. With Gaston Fernandez now, their their forward line is pretty stacked. Um, the defensively, Ka and Paparato is a nice center back tandem. Uh, let's see. Go get Danny Alves to replace Jack Jewsberry. There you go. Give yourselves a deadly right back uh no getting aside uh maybe getting getting themselves a that's the thing even max arudi uh i know some people will say oh you know he's not really a target forward but i think in there in that system that they play in the and with the things he does and his commitment to pressing and his work rate and his tenacity i think he's a perfect fit for that system but you know what um if, if, i think if caleb porter could get himself a speedy top-notch forward to play in that spot, I think he would do it. Because I can tell you right now, I know for a fact uh, the Timbers wanted Darren Maddox and made a play for him uh, and would love that kind of player. And obviously, Caleb Porter has a history with Darren Maddox, so that's unique in that regard. But I'm sure if he could get someone like Darren Maddox or even better, that same type of player, that super speedy guy 
who can wreak havoc and, and get in behind defenses. Uh, I think I think he, he would love to have that kind of forward. And the final question comes from Greg Dandenu. Ivis, better atmosphere Saturday during your two games and why? Then he goes, hashtag second family. Greg, thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> oh, man. This is a tough one. It's tough. And I've been to both places multiple times, right? I've been to Portland five times the past year. I've been to Seattle, I think, at least five times total, maybe more. Um, it, it's different, you know? And, again, from where I see it, it's different because, you know, in Seattle it's a closed uh, press box. In Portland it's an open-air press box. So, you know, you definitely get more of the atmosphere. Uh, where, I, where I'm sitting, I'm getting more of the atmosphere. I, I mean, I would say Portland because it's it, it's just more like it's it's just like clo- it's because it's it's smaller and it's closed in and it it's just you feel it more you know like it's yeah it's central link is such a huge building i mean it is impressive i mean i've been there when they've had 55k plus there i was there when they played vancouver last year and it was it was just stunning right just just the over the whole the spectacle of it was amazing but you know like for me i've been the games in in europe i've been the games and, you know, I've been to Old Trafford. I've been to, you know, Craven Cottage. Uh, and, and I've seen these games at Goodison Park. Uh, and for me, Gerald Wynn reminds me more of those, those those type of atmospheres, the European atmosphere where everyone's just close to the field and everyone's in unison. And, and, and you really feel like the crowd knows what's going on and is living and dying with each play. And it. For me, they're the two best in the league, two best atmospheres, no offense to anybody else. I I think we can pretty much agree that those are the two best atmospheres, but they're different. They're different. So it's like like asking to choose which of your your kids you you like better. But I I might give the slight edge to Portland just because, like I said, they have that kind of cozy European feel to it. Well, Ivis, man, that wraps up the SBI Q&A, and that wraps up episode 121. Uh, anything we uh, fail to talk about today's show? Uh, not much. I'm sure I'll, 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 I'll get trolled now by all the Seattle fans who are going to be mad at me for picking Portland. Uh, but look, both of them are great. And I would, I would recommend everybody who can, if you make, you got to make a pilgrimage. And look, yes, you can be a fan of your own team in MLS. But if your team is, if there's a road trip you can take, then you gotta come, you gotta go to the bus. You gotta either go to Seattle, or go to Portland, or go to both, because those atmospheres, those atmospheres, are amazing. And not to take anything away from any of the other places, because look, uh, sporting Kansas City's fans are amazing. I, I would probably put them third. I put I put Sporting Park's atmosphere third. If we're doing uh, atmosphere power rankings, right? I'm probably going Portland one, Seattle two, KC three. Uh, you could throw Vancouver up there. I mean, Vancouver was electric this weekend. Uh, Their fans, they, I think they get shadowed by Seattle and Portland, but Vancouver's, Vancouver is always solid up there. Two things: one, I've never been there. Uh, two, have you been there? No, but I mean, on on TV, they sound great on TV. No, if you haven't been there, you probably yo don't. yo Vancouver. I got your back. I got it. I got you. It's all well and good, but you gotta go there and soak it in, and re- and that will tell you the the real, you know. You can't go off a of TV. You can't. You gotta you gotta go there. But um, but yeah. So so for me, there's those three, and then there's a big drop off from there. I I'd say. I mean, Philly's got a pretty good one too. Philly, uh, 
I don't, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. This is just off the top of my off the top of my head. Philly Philly's got a pretty good good uh, good environment there. And I tell you what, uh, 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 an environment that could quickly uh, catch up in the in the SBI MLS Stadium Environment Power Rankings, Toronto FC. And the reason I'll say Toronto FC is because I remember what the atmosphere was like there when they first came to the league. I was lucky enough to go up there a few times when they first came into the league, and the atmosphere was amazing. The fans were amazing. The, the, the environment at BMO Field was amazing. And it's a shame that they squandered that with the years of mediocrity, the years of terrible soccer. But now with what they've done with rebuilding that team, if, if they can recapture uh, the love of those fans, those fans who made that environment so amazing seven years ago, then they'll be right back in it. Because that, for me, that was that was something else. So, uh, and, and again, I haven't been to Vancouver. I haven't been to Montreal yet. Uh, so I can't speak to those. But I would say, for me, if I'm going to go top four, Portland, Seattle, Kansas City, and Philly. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think where else. Where else? Uh, who round out the top five? How about you, man? Where you where, have you been? Have you been to many? Boys? I mean, I've been. To, I saw L.A. It's okay. Dallas is okay. I mean, Kansas City was awesome. I mean, you know, RSL. I mean, I think their stadium's a little too big, but uh, I mean, those are the four stadiums that I've been to. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to like an epic stadium yet. And here I am, just pissed off those four people. Sorry. <laughs> you just. We're just alienating everybody. But you know what? People want to know. People want our opinions. I mean, I can tell you, man, I've been to Seattle a bunch of times. I've been to Kansas City a bunch of times. I've been to Portland a bunch of times. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, it's it, it's not about trying to say, oh, this is better, that's better, this is worse, that's worse. The fact is there are this many great environments in this league. And I think people need to appreciate that, respect that, and realize that you know it just shows how much the game is growing. It's not just one place that's getting it done like that. You've got places now across the country. You've got the Pacific Northwest. You've got Kansas City. You've got Philly. You're not, I think. I think. I mean, I've heard good things about Montreal's environment as well. Uh, and then you got Toronto, who I think is going to, who's going to, you know, they're going to revive things. And again, Red Bull Arena. I got to say, for me, is still in your seat, sitting in your seat, the best stadium experience in the league, just in terms of just. You know, just because it's a beautiful, beautiful building, and the way the stadium is built, you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be completely sold out to be in the, uh, to be like a really good, lively environment. I tell you what, Red Bull Arena, Red Bull Arena. I think I probably put them in the top five as well. Well, Ivan sends the show with the most Homer comment of the of the show. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will end on that note, Ivis. I put them fifth, and that's a Homer comment. Come on. <laughs> third. I could see argument, but you know what? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how many people could could really. Uh... But again, I'll I'll say I haven't been to FC Dallas lately, and and I do. I would like to go there as much as there's this little group of people there who just continue to hate my guts, and I, it's just hilarious to me. And I just want to tell you all that I love you so much. But uh, you know, so there's that. There's uh, I mean, I've been to Chicago. I got to say, it wasn't you know, it's been a few years now. I don't know if things have gotten better there. Uh, but yeah, I gotta I gotta make. Gonna make the rounds in MLS this year. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll take the show on the road. Maybe we'll just get a, a really nice sponsor that could just you know fly us around everywhere for the for the yeah, summer. Shit, man, we'll just get a 
We'll just get a a, a, a a recreational vehicle and just drive around. Ooh, I'd be down for that. That that could be fun. Yeah, not really. <laughs> we talking about that'd be fun. Yeah, we can give it a whirl. We'll th- we'll, we'll, if it wasn't a World Cup year, <laughs> that's true. There's a lot going on, buddy. That is true. There is a lot going on. All right, well, Ivis, uh, that wraps up the show. You have a uh, you have an excellent time in uh, in L.A., man. Uh, have have a good time out there. Well, it's almost two a.m. Pacific. And I think we're both dead, and I think we're both ready for some sleep. Yeah, I'm ready for some sleep, too. So I'll let you go on that note. You have a good time in L.A. I'll talk to you later this week, all right? Thanks, Matt. And as always, everyone, thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. Thank you for all the support, the questions on, on Twitter, and, and all that uh, that you do to uh, to help us make this show as, uh, as much fun as we, as we try to make it. Uh, Ivis and I will be back again later this week. This is the SBI Show.